Okay. Yeah, maybe it was you that ended up getting them. Okay, now it's it's doing something. What's up, guys? There we go. Hey. There we go. Sorry, did that did that not work the first time around? I don't know. I kept trying, and it would like just do the hang up noise. That was it. But Weird. Sam tries it, and he's Weird. got that magic touch. Yeah, I have a good service and no wind to compete with today, and I wish I would have. I listened back to it, and I had no idea how bad the wind was. I know. I I hate that. (laughs) You should have heard the uh, unedited version. (laughs) That just made you really feel like it. It let the listeners really feel like they were on the planes with you. The the ruach. (laughs) This is the truth. They really felt like they were in Montana, really experiencing the moment with me. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Uh, man, I'm really disappointed in Eugene Peterson. You're disappointed in <laughs> Show it? title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so did you see he, like, said in an interview, uh, Jonathan Martin in RNS asked him, like, hey, if you were still a pastor, um, and if Gabe, Gabe Couple, you know, asked you to marry them, would you? And he said, yes. And then everybody got pissed off, and Lifeway like said they're going to pull the message and all this stuff. And then today he's like, "Oh, to be clear, like I don't really believe that. You know, that's not what I said. I believe, you know, he was uh, asking me hypothetical. I, I didn't see that he went back on it. I affirm a biblical view of marriage, one man to one woman. I affirm a biblical view of everything, which is really funny since he wrote a paraphrase of the Bible that's kind of like, yeah, we shouldn't really <laughs> take anything literally. You know, you know what Eugene Patterson sounds like going back on his word, or or maybe maybe it would be like um, saying one thing and then not following up with it. It reminds me of this guy who you may have heard of. His name is uh, Rob Bell. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, like oh, I'm so edgy. Except I'm just gonna come down like really traditional, and pretty much everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, I, I was uh, I was listening to a podcast that that I like to listen to, and I, I've been listening to it podcast for i don't know six years seven years and i I don't think i've missed a week in that time frame and so i'm I'm, I'm like a big listener and and i follow him on on twitter and all that stuff and uh one one of the the guys on the podcast yeah i've even like contributed one of the guys uh put out a question uh, uh, about this app that he was having issues with so i responded back and and um we we went back and forth and I was all excited because you know it was like oh my gosh I'm 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 touching the cloak you know I'm, I'm actually getting to interact with this person who's not real you know, he's not famous but you know in, in my little tech world he's famous so he uh, I was listening to the new episode of the podcast uh, last night and and today and he was describing the inter- the interaction between us and how I was helping him and he didn't say my name but uh, I was like oh wow oh you know and I'm I'm driving to the Mexican restaurant where. I'm going to meet Mariana and we're going to have dinner. So I'm all pumped up. And right as I'm getting out of the car, he's like, yeah. And then he was like, oh, well, if you install this, this happens. And I was so pissed off because <laughs> I was like, you, you're a jerk. Like I, I've been listening to you for years and, and I, uh, you know, it, it's kind of that, that same interaction and dropping the ball. I don't know. When people listen to our show and, and we respond, you know, back and forth, like, I hope nobody ever takes it like that. Even Professor McMakin. Um, you know, in terms of like us being jerks or, or, or you know, sly or coy or anything like that, because it was it was a terrible feeling. Like I felt betrayed. Speaking yeah. of Rob Bell, <laughs> I felt betrayed. Speaking of Rob Bell, yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's, it's it's a harsh it's a harsh reality. It's happened a couple of times, but anyway, that's that. Thomas, do you, do you uh or, or David Allen, do you, do you guys keep your um your Twitter no- notifications on? Yeah, which was um, <laughs> rather um, frustrating today where I got, you know, roped into one of these conversations and... You started it. Okay, I started it and then it took on a life of its own. <laughs> and then I had like a hundred notifications. It, at least, I think I, the last. At least, yeah, yeah. It's every time I looked at the Twitter app on my phone, it was just twenty plus, and I'd clear it out twenty plus, clear it out twenty plus every single time. And I was like, I'm trying to work here, people. <laughs> yeah, Mariana <laughs> meetings and <laughs> Mariana got roped in too, and she uh, she uh, they're, they're doing like missions week at church, and so she's she's been um, you know pretty pretty busy all week. So she came home to take a nap at like two o'clock. And I had to write this down in my field notes notebook. Uh, so she 
<laughs> came downstairs and she was like, I couldn't go to sleep because my watch kept vibrating with Twitter notifications, <laughs> which I thought was awesome. But it reminded me, it was a great thread. And we're talking about religion and, and you started it by saying something about evangelicals. And I said, well, what do I call myself? And then all of a sudden it becomes this exposition on denominations and, and uh, you know, logos and all kind of, you know, fun theology things. And it kept splintering off into different areas. But, it, you know, there's a lot of people that listen to the show, so I was, I was very excited to be able to interact with them on a, on a different level. But, um, yeah, you got to be careful with your Twitter notifications. But it yeah. reminded me of, of the old days of Twitter, like the 2007, 2008, even 2009 days, when you would have, like, this small group of people that all sort of, I don't know, uh, coagulated, if you will, around, like, a topic or, or something. And, like, you're tweeting right now, Thomas. And <laughs> I'm looking at tweet day. And, um, you know, we, we all sort of responded back and forth and it was constant. And this was back in the day when Twitter integrated with Google Talk. So, like, you would yes. have Gmail open. Remember that? And it would just sit there and scroll and scroll and scroll. And, we, you know, we not many of us had iPhones before 2008, 2009 anyway. So the whole idea of, like, having a an app that would notify you is kind of abstract. So I don't know. I was thinking about that today. And so I was watching like the 200th notification on this thread goodbye. Cause it was such a cool experience. And I, I really was like, wow, this, this takes me back to the good old days when Twitter wasn't, you know, just trading memes about Trump or, or, you know, white supremacist, like hunting you down. Cause you defied the dear leader or something. Anyway. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it, it yeah, got, okay. got a little heavy there um, for you. So maybe we should get a little update on um, on your trip, David Ray, and um, kind of tell us maybe where you are now and uh, what you've done since we recorded last week. I mean, not everything. You probably don't have that much time. But Thomas, listen, let me get my calendar out real quick. We can go minute by minute. If you'd okay. like. we can, we can yeah, really, I definitely we want really the play-by-play. Play. That's good radio. Well, last, weekend I was, last weekend I was with the Avery Brothers at Red Rocks for all three nights. Uh, and you saw Lance Armstrong. I did see Lance Armstrong, and he had two red solo cups, <laughs> <laughs> which was, which the reason that 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 I mean, like, okay, first of all, it's good. It's a good story with Lance having two two red solo cups, but they weren't allowing people to take drinks in, so like he somehow got in with the two red solo. He's cups. He's Lance Armstrong. Is really what? Yeah, I know. I guess so. But I, and I and, and I haven't double checked this, but I think Jimmy Johnson was with him. I don't know if that's really? a relationship or not, but. Yeah, you know, you know Jimmy. I'm, so, I'm a big NASCAR fan. Jimmy's a big uh, bicyclist or cyclist. That's probably it. Then it probably was him. Yeah. Yeah. Dang man. So I was you with them huh. with them all all weekend, which was great. Um, checked a lot of songs off the bucket list and uh, got to be at Red Rocks, which was pretty cool. Um, and then uh, this week I'm in Fraser, Colorado, at a place called Creek Creek Ranch. Uh, I came here when I was in high school, so I'm getting to come back, and um, I'm an adult guest here which is really a joke because I'm not an adult. I mean, I'm kind of an adult, but I'm not really an adult. Like, I'm the youngest person in the adult guest lodge by uh, 20-some-odd years. Nice. So uh, that's that's it's been entertaining. Went on a big hike today. So, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a great week. And then uh, heading back toward North Carolina on Sunday, going to stop in uh, Tally and visit with Thomas next Friday, next, next Friday, next Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Nice. <clears throat> so what part of Colorado is that? Because Colorado is like, you know, got all these Big. micro. Yeah. Well, it's it's a bunch of like micro areas. You know, like you know, right. uh, you know El Dorado is a lot different than Boulder or something. I right. Pull that out of my. Frazier is an hour and a half away from Denver, an hour and a half west of Denver. Um, so it is still kind of in the center of the state, um, but it's it is beautiful. Um, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere out here, uh, but having a great time and um I, you know i woke up this morning and i was like man what a beautiful day to rank scripture you know like what a beautiful day I, this this is a great day to decide which <laughs> book of the bible is better like this is what i was called to do well I, i've already gotten some uh some some blowback from our first episode where um I, I won't mention the the sources more than one oops who said um Hey, it's it's great that you guys are uh, are doing this, but do you do you realize that it's three white guys and and you you're already like kicking out books that have uh, strong female leads? It's not Trevor. Oh wow! But yeah, we'll see. Like, we'll see about we'll see about tonight if that happens. So yeah, I looked at and we got Ruth. Oh no, no Esther tonight. Esther tonight. Yeah, but and I, judges. I went back. I was like, no, no, we're not. Like, what? 
Tobit? Acts? I mean, Acts talks about some women. Second Samuel 1. Yeah. Leviticus? I mean, yeah, you can, you know, you can say Leviticus isn't really female-friendly, but it's not friendly to anybody, really. Yeah, but I mean, we're you know that's that's a that's a decent criticism to hear. Though I'd like to hear it, you know, maybe fleshed out a little bit. Yeah. Um, but that, I mean, that's that's one of the themes that I had for for uh, tonight's matchups is um, kind of looking at strong female characters. So, so maybe we're gonna potentially redeem ourselves uh, partially um, as we go through tonight's matchups. Yeah, I mean, Susanna got a, a nine rank, you know. So, come on. Right, really high seating there. Castle of Mary doesn't even exist, and it's 16. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm not defending myself. I, I accept my privilege and my my position, but yeah, it, it was uh, it was it was it was in good nature. But people were like, just you know, be careful, be aware of your privilege. And I was like, I know, but this is us doing this, and this is not the canonical go- you know ranking of the gospels. It's okay. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> I mean, you know, Lifeway isn't going to kick us out of the store because we, uh, you know, we rank a, a, a female above a male or something. It's only because we're not already in the store. I was going to say, be. but if they could, they would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. We'll, we'll talk about um, sponsors off the line, but yeah. Anyway, okay. No, not that Lifeway is going to sponsor us. <laughs> yeah, they'd be probably the last group in the world that would consider sponsoring this show. But if you want to break into a certain segment, like, you know, why not? Anyway. I, I, I heard the rumor Hobby Lobby was interested in sponsoring, too, right? Is that still a thing? Hobby Lobby is. You know, they they uh, yeah. they keep reaching out. We're, we're They've got kind of like the Boeing contract that's 80 pages, and you have to have all this liability. Um, yeah, there's forward. a whole bunch of stuff about unprovenanced artifacts, so... <laughs> We're a little skeptical. <laughs> yeah. we, we like to abide by UNESCO instead of, yeah. Um, if, if you're just talking about these unprovenanced artifacts for a couple shows, but don't tell anybody where you got them from, then, you know, the, the cash will come flowing. I, I think, honestly, how awesome is that going to be in, in, I don't know, 10, 15 years when the movie comes out and I forgot his name, Mr. Green, whatever his um, yeah. first name is. You know, he's sitting there on eBay at 11 o'clock at night in his boxers with with a glass of brandy like like you do, and he's he's shopping on eBay for some uh, for some antiquities. Because yeah. I've done that. I mean, I haven't bought anything, but you know, it's right? Like, everybody looks. Yeah, you know, it's like oh, I'd really like that Duryaropa style belt buckle from the third century. It's only eighteen dollars, found in Bulgaria. That's <laughs> right. legit. <laughs> Definitely legit. Uh, also, yeah. No in case in case our listeners don't know, um, there was and, and what the story didn't really break um, in this past week, but there was more added to the story. I think we've talked about it on the show before. I'm sure we have um, where uh, the federal government has it's not really a fine technically, but Hobby Lobby has agreed to pay three million dollars because of some unprovenanced artifacts. And basically that means there's not a clear um history of acquisition and this is really important when you're dealing with antiquities and 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 ancient artifacts because um we because we need to know um how they were found by whom they were found when they were sold to whom and so on and so forth um because artifacts without clean uh histories of acquisition like that um often come from from conflict areas we're seeing this um often um in iraq and in syria and uh, we do know it's not it's not necessarily it's not that the artifacts in question with the Hobby Lobby family, the Green family, um, were that they came from uh, ISIS. But we do know that this is one of the uh, practices that ISIS engages in to fund their efforts. Um, they they make a big show of destroying some ancient artifacts uh, for videos, but then they also uh, sell them uh, on the black market because they can get good money for it. And there are plenty of scholars willing to, um, you know, kind of turn a blind eye to it. There are museums that do the same thing. So this is a really big issue uh, in um, in antiquities. And actually, it was back in 2015 that um, friend of the show, Candida Moss and Joel Baden broke the story for the Daily Beast um, that they had that the Hobby Lobby Green family had been importing uh, 
ancient clay tablets that they were calling like samples and um, they did not have clean provenances and they also were not, you know, labeling them correctly so that they wouldn't have to, you know, do the appropriate disclosures and things like that when they were imported. Um, so it's a really big uh, deal, particularly kind of in, in you know, our world that we like to play around in sometime in antiquities um, that I used to play around in more often. Um, and it, yeah, it's just, you know, a lot of people think it's not that big of a deal, but it's really important because it's families like the Green family that have a lot of money that are able to kind of push certain agendas within um, the academic study of religion because they have the money or they have the sources that people want to look at. Um, but you have to not go along with that, right? And there are a lot of people that are, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing of a number of anecdotal cases where um, students that have worked on green family projects are kind of being blacklisted from PhD programs and scholars that have worked on green family things, you know, are kind of similarly being blacklisted. Um, I mean, it's, it's a complicated situation, um, but it's definitely kind of taken um, the late antiquity crowd by storm, but it's also, uh, you know, it's, it's gone beyond that. And it's not every day that you have scholars of late antiquity breaking, you know, huge, uh, modern like FBI investigation stories, which is what happened uh, back in 2015. We're kind of seeing some of that come to fruition now. Yeah, this is. I mean, it, it's so interesting for me because I, when I was at Yale, I worked at the art gallery museum uh, there and in the ancient art department, and we were closely tied with the Yale Babylonian collection run by uh, Ben Foster, who was a good friend and mentor, and he. Um, he made the the brave and bold decision back in the I guess it was eighties and nineties to to abide by I think it was the UN or so, or someone it, basically there was a statement about provenance and saying hey you know unless there's a clean provenance we're not going to accept cylinder seals or whatever and now you can get, you, anybody can go on eBay and buy a, a twenty dollar cylinder seal from you know ninth century BC you know Acadia Babylon whatever and that's disturbing on one level but. For the longest time, museums and and um, you know colleges, universities, whatever, especially in the UK and France and in the US and, and Germany to some extent, Germany was a little better about it. But they dealt in this area, especially in, in the Northeast and in, in the 1800s, late 1800s. Um, so there's a long tradition of this, you know, going back to Austin Henry Layard and some of those guys. And that's what my my book on Assyrian antiquities is about. It's, it's kind of the establishment of um, uh, that that sort of stream back and forth between the Middle East and and what we call the Middle East, being normative, and northeastern uh, liberal arts schools like Yale and Harvard and Williams and Bryn Mawr and some of these great schools that that were you know trafficking in in you know, foreign stolen goods <laughs> to some extent. Um, so uh, it, it's fascinating now to see that we're we finally sort of come to grips with that and realized, okay, that's not a good thing. And the Elgin marbles, you know, probably should not be in London. They should be back in, in Athens. And, you know, half the stuff that's in the Louvre should be back in Cairo. And what about the Rosetta stone and those types of big issues. But, um, it's, it's, it's also interesting to me because when I was at Yale, the, um, the big lawsuits are coming out around stolen Nazi art, uh, or, art that the nazis stole not that we stole i guess we technically did but anyway so uh a bunch of of great uh pieces of of the collection at the art gallery came from um uh, american gis and some uh, nazi families and there was some inner dealings there so some jewish families were trying to get you know that artwork back because hey this monet actually didn't belong to um you know this German person who said that they had it. Anyway, I think it's fascinating. Transmission history and provenance. And this was, I, I'd never heard of the word provenance before I got to Yale. And to me, you know, like going through college, like David, right? Uh, to, to think of not hearing that word now in college, like, it's like, wow, that's, that's, and I was a religion major. Um, so I think, I think this is fantastic that it's, it's in the news, but yes, it's very sad that, um, you know, we're, we're having to, to wrestle with this in, in the context of ISIS and 
families like the Green family supporting, you know, that illegal trade and, and destroying sites like Mosul and Nineveh and Dura Europas and some of these cultural artifacts, Palmyra, uh, that are not recoverable. And to, to try to back that up by putting them in a museum of the Bible, to me, is just gross on a, on a number of levels uh, because you're you're pushing a political agenda while destroying the past. And like Indiana Jones said, you know, belongs in a museum, damn it. <laughs> the great Indiana Jones. Uh, in case you're wondering, Sam's book, uh, there are, it looks like three copies available on Amazon. Um, and it's uh, Asia has claims <laughs> please, upon New England, Assyrian reliefs at Yale. So you should definitely go buy Sam's book. By the way, after all the years that Sam and I have been friends, he has still yet to send me a, a signed have copy I of his book. I, I have, I have like five more. I got, I don't know, 20 or 30 when it, when it first came out. I'll, I'll send you a copy. I'm so sorry. Um, and if, if you're a friend of the show and you really want a copy, let me know. It's it's not great. Uh, it's very expensive because it's out of print. Um, well, it's not so bad on Amazon. It's, you can get it used for twelve ninety five. Yeah, well, there you go. Which is not not too bad, actually. Yeah, the price has gone down a little bit. So. Yeah, I, I just bought a um, the related book from Yale because it was put out by Yale Press. And this is also put out by Yale Press from John Malcolm Russell. Uh, from Nineveh to New York, and it talks about the strange story of the Assyrian reliefs in the Metropolitan Museum and the hidden masterpiece at the Canford School. Um, I found this on eBay because uh, I do that <laughs> for like eight bucks, and it's the hardback, and and it's a much better book than my book. Um, but he was John Malcolm Russell was at uh, Columbia University, I believe, and this is the book that they used to say like, can you? When, when they approached me and said, can you write a book about this uh, Syrian release at Yale and how we got them and, and why they're here? So I've always wanted this John Malcolm Russell book. So finally it popped up there. So maybe I should just seed eBay with some of my books. And There you, you go. Know, since I'm not. Because there are people out <laughs> there that are that are looking for this. This gem. <laughs> yeah, there, there are people with uh, eBay alerts like I do for Terry Ropus and right. Syrian art. Um. You I, I, haven't cracked the top 100 on Amazon, but you are 14,440,063rd. So, hey, there you go. There's some so work you, to do there. There's yeah. a lot of shit on Amazon, so I'll crack the top 15 million. <laughs> that's saying something. I bought a that is, uh, bought that's a, Twitter bio material. Exactly. Number <laughs> 15 millionth. I bought a, a plaster cast of a, a Syrian relief. My wife killed me um, the other night, and it's it's pretty awesome. It, it arrived quickly. Anyway, speaking of plaster casts, uh, you guys want to hop in? Let's talk about Esther. <laughs> Oof. Uh, that's our first easy, matchup. But I, I, yeah, Tonight. I went back, es- Esther versus Luke. And I went back and reread Esther today. And it's a good read. It is. So did you see, did, did either of you see the movie based off Esther, One Night with a King? No. no. Seriously, I mean, yeah, no. it's one of those. It's like, okay, well, there are a whole lot of reasons why I saw it. That um, sounds like something you find on a not safe for work subreddit. <laughs> so it's 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 uh, not. It's actually the opposite of that. Where, you know, you know, like a you know Christian movie company, whatever. But it's actually done pretty well. I mean, it's done better than a lot of the other ones, I think. So, um, so it's really interesting. Uh, I don't know. So it's it's a. But of course, they play up more of the. Um, they play up the, like the religious aspect more in the movie than in the book because, right? I mean, like the one thing that people know about Esther is that it doesn't mention God, right? You know, talk about Jews and stuff, but it doesn't mention God at all in the book. Uh, so that's you know, it's always like, oh, what's the one book that doesn't mention God? But you'll hear some people say that uh, Song of Solomon doesn't, but you know, that's a discussion for later. Um, but yeah, I mean, so there's a movie about it. So I don't know. Just wanted to see if y'all had seen that. I've seen it. I have not. Yeah, sorry, Thomas. Hate to let you down, but I haven't seen that that um, Oscar nominated. Flip. Yeah, what's? Well, I mean, it's got a really good dramatic scene where she like busts open the doors of the court. You know, I don't know. Anyway, maybe um, maybe we should do that next, like uh, movies about the Bible in a, in a tournament, and we can add yes. that. The problem is, like, Monty Python is just going to win everything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. Life of Ryan is the greatest. Right. Maybe about religion. All right, so until the movie for Lamb gets made, <laughs> right? And we're going to when that movie gets that. made. Yeah, when Lamb, the gospel according to Biff, Christ Childhood Pal, when that movie gets made, um, that may overtake 
Monty Python's Life of Brian. We'll see. Um, uh, I would be very happy to throw some money into seeing that happen and to start a GoFundMe to make that happen. But um, <clears throat> all right, so we have Esther versus Luke. That's our first matchup. Um, so. So, okay, so Sam, you were going, so why don't you tell us your thoughts on this matchup? We're doing, again, uh, three sets, basically. Each one of us gets a set. We have five points to split between the two books. We can split them any way we want. Uh, And then we see out of that uh, we should not have a tie because um, that's how that works. And uh, then we'll see who comes out victorious. So Esther versus Luke. Sam, what do you got? I mean, I'm going to go with Esther because Luke is kind of the, the throwaway gospel. Um, and Esther's just a better story. Uh, you've got the Persians, you know, you've got, uh, King Xerxes, basically, or Ahasuerus. Um, he's having a, a big feast in Susa, and there's no mention of God. It's a great narrative story. Um, you, you've got Mordecai, who's a great sort of, uh, character in, in the book. Um, Rembrandt made a beautiful painting, uh, of, about this. Um, in Haman, and also my my biggest thing about uh, Esther is first you get you, know, you get Purim, which is fantastic, right? It's where we get the holiday Purim from, or you know, uh, Jewish holiday Purim from, right? Uh, and, and second is that through Europa's in what is now Syria on the Euphrates River, there's a, a number of panels about Haman and Esther and and Mordecai, and it, it's it's a big player. In, in the Dura Europa synagogue, the painted synagogue, very famous painted synagogue, one of the the few synagogues from the ancient or modern world where there are paintings of, of things and depictions. Um, so there's some some wonderful depictions of of this book in that. So at heartstrings, tugs. I, I've got to go with Esther. I'm going to give it a, give it a four to one just because Jesus is in Luke. <laughs> so let me clarify for you. Um, it sounded as if you were you were uh, listening off that Esther doesn't mention God as in favor of Esther winning. I was, I was, just because of you know it's 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 a bold move to go into uh, something like the Old Testament without talking about God or Yahweh and, and saying like, hey, I'm going to roll up and um, I'm going to you know slide into your your OT without any mention of, of God. I think that's it's a bold move that, that plays out well because it talks about deliverance and it gets a good narrative around this time. And, you know, the, the OT as we know it, or Hebrew Bible or Snog, was really kind of coming into its own uh, during the Persian period, heavily influenced. And it, it's a story, I think, that is essential to the Bible. So wasn't it Martin Luther that wanted to kick Esther out of the Bible? Um Probably. He wanted to take everything out, pretty much. Um, <laughs> we're going to piss off so, Lutheran lit. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, if, we, if, if we didn't already do that on Twitter, we're definitely going to do it in the show. Um, <laughs> What's Lutheranism? <laughs> so, okay, so it seems to me, right, so Esther not mentioning God is, is interesting, right? Um, it's, it actually is a really good story. Um, there's a lot of drama. You've got, you know, foreshadowing. You've got a lot of really good stuff just from a literary standpoint. I think Esther's a really good story. But, but like you're saying, coming in, not mentioning God at all, is you know, go continue with the March Madness theme. It's to me, it's like a team that comes in and not just can't hit threes, just doesn't even attempt three pointers. I mean, you just oh, have wow. so far to come. Right. If you're just going to go and say, OK, guys, our game plan is we're just we're going to you know take everything to the whole. We're not going to sh- even attempt any three pointers. Right. You have nothing to kind of get the crowd riled up. You have nothing to give you momentum. Uh, I mean, you're just taking out a huge portion of everybody else's game. Well, right? done. Um, so so I think that the, I think that's they've got a, a big task ahead of them. Um, and, and we do know, and David Skelton, of course, knows, friend of the show, Luke is definitely a throwaway gospel. Um, but you also get, now David Ray's going to hopefully probably push back on this, um, you do get, you know, something that looks maybe like what we might call a social justice, Jesus and Luke, which obviously, you know, would be something that I would be tied to. So it's not just blessed are the poor in spirit, it's blessed are the poor. Like, no, we got work to do. Like, there are real people here. Um so I don't. I mean, this is this is tough for me. Um, I, I think that I'm kind of up in the air on whether Esther not mentioning God is uh, a positive for it or a negative for it. Um, I'm leaning toward it being a negative just because of the the larger competition here. Um, and 
like you said, I mean, you also have kind of the iconic nativity story in Luke, right? So it's not just Luke as Jesus. Um, you you have a lot of you know kind of iconic things there too. Um, so this is this is a tough one for me, but I'm going to have to go three two Luke. But really strong female lead in Esther. Um, this is tough, yeah. So I'm just going to stick with three two Luke. Ooh. So that means that means we're at six four six, Esther. Four. Yeah. All right. I really don't like going last. It puts a lot of pressure on me, guys. <laughs> and and you guys, you guys have said a lot of what I want to say by the time I get to it. Um, one of we'll, okay, we'll change so it up. We'll change reasons, it up on the next matchup. Okay, okay. each matchup should one change the, up to for yeah. the last person. I, I realized that after the last show. Yeah, well, I'll just say this. I, I wrote down all my scores before here, so I, so I'm I'm not going to change it due to what what's happened. But I'm I'm going to stick with my guns. Um, Esther to me is one of the most underestimated books in the old Testament. I'm a big fan of it. And it's one that when it's not like people come to me often and ask for, it's on what they should read in the Bible. But when, uh, friends of mine are like, Hey, you know, want to read something in the old Testament, anything, you know, anything fun suggestion. I always, I always enjoy Esther as, as something to give them. However, my favorite, um, and this is saying something, my favorite, uh, verse in the, probably in the entire new Testament, probably in the entire Bible is in, uh, Luke, which is in the parable of the prodigal son. I'm a, a huge fan of the um, of the triad of the lost uh, parables that Jesus delivers. I, too, also give a certain amount of weight to the fact that in Luke we have an, uh, an authentic nativity, as Thomas already mentioned. Um, and that for that reason, I, I even though I love Esther, this is why this, is, this was the hardest matchup we've had to do yet, I have 3-2 Luke. Oh. All right. So what does that give us? That's going to take us to uh, 6-8 versus 7. Wow, Esther wins 8-7. to seven. Now, somebody keep it, I'm, I'm like, this is math, this is like hard. So yeah, Esther okay, wins. So it, it was 4-1, 2-3, and then 2-3. So Esther has 8, Luke's 3 plus 3 plus 1. Ooh. Wow, are you, you, putting the, you putting the sets in on the challenge? Okay. Um, wait, wait, wait. Four plus two is six. Plus two is eight. Three plus three is six. Plus one is seven. And it says, the winner you selected does not match the scores you entered. All right. We got to do some math here. This is getting complicated, guys. Oh, because it's going by bracket. Oh, I see. Okay. So here's a question. We we didn't encounter this. All right. So. Because you you both went three two for Luke, it's saying that the winner should be decided on the two set. sets to one as opposed to the total yeah. number. Mm. What do y'all think? Well, I I mean I think what we stuck with was what we did in the in the first part of round one was the the overall total. But I see it's doing it like a tennis score where you you right. win the number of sets. So uh, that's interesting. Okay. <clears throat> I yeah, think total so S- score, but yeah, total score. We'll stick with that. Okay. So wow. Esther wins. Um, interesting. Man, uh, you know, Esther could make a run now. They got Colossians next. Yeah, and then Susanna and Joel or Joel. Yeah, the winner yeah, of that go- one. That's- Gospel of Luke Twitter is to be pretty irate. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you guys. They're, they're <laughs> yeah, man, they were. <laughs> Gospel of Luke Twitter was lit uh, based on that that uh, poll that we did of the best gospels, man. Luke going out in the first round. Is this the biggest upset? I mean, it's not the highest seated. It's not the highest seated book to go out in the first round, but um, this is big and Acts, right? So, so both Luke, wow. both parts of Luke Acts go out in the first round. Wow. So if we were so, doing biggest winner and loser so far of the tournament, Theophilus has got to be one of the biggest losers. <laughs> rough, rough stretch for him. Yeah, that's interesting because Acts versus Samuel was four one and then one four and then three two. So that was a much closer match in terms of like polarity. Right. But wow. Okay, that's big. That's big. Okay, that that's um Esther's a great book. Esther's a great book, but honestly I just the whole thing. I was like, I mean you think Esther's going all the way? It, Um, It could win the whole thing. Unlike my Luke. assumption Luke was like Luke is, I mean, the four Gospels are going to make it out of the first round, right? I mean, that, that was just my assumption. But this is why you play the game. Luke is like the, the Michigan. Like, you never really know. 
How do you feel about that, David Ray? <laughs> Michigan, Michigan is that you know you do never know with them. I mean, that's fair. That's a fair. That's a fair judgment. They they were they were like a, a seven seed this year and they made a run. So I'm gonna I'm gonna approve of that. Yay! All I was right. Gonna, um, I was gonna say Kentucky, but all right. Judges versus second Peter. Here we go. All right, David Ooh. Ray, start us off on this one. Man, this I, I had trouble with this, and this one's kind of boring to me. I'm just kidding. I got I I, I like judges. Um, my biggest issue with judges is it's a little bit redundant. Is that fair to say that we get a, kind of the same um, story of the uh, judge over and over again in a very similar storyline? Um, uh, Second Peter. So one of the things I like about Second Peter is that we get um, a, a possible reference to second century Gnosticism. Let me back up for a second. One thing you have to do, you have to like about judges. We have the Song of Deborah, which is nice, um, and I also like—I don't like, but I've studied um, the story of Jephthah, which is a very interesting. I think that's one of the most interesting stories that you get um, in the Old Testament, and you guys can hate on that all you want to if you if you're not a fan. Um, but for me, second man, Second Peter, I don't. I'm trying to think of the last time that I sat down and was like, oh, I really want to read Second Peter. Um, and I'm I'm just in a pseudepigraphal as well. I'm going judges four to one. Okay, judges four one. That's um, all right. That's a strong showing there for judges. All right, <clears throat> Sam, what do you got? I went first last time, so you have to. You have okay, to so it's it's my turn yeah. now. Um, okay, so. <clears throat> I mean, no offense to Second Peter, I'm kind of like you, David Ray. Like, when's the last time you're like, oh, yeah, it's, it's a really good meaty stuff in Second Peter. Um, but, you know, it, it's got a lot, of, a lot of good stuff to offer. Um, you know, maybe like a mid-major, it's just, it's okay. Uh, but, it's a, you know, it doesn't have a lot of pizzazz and have something that really brings you back. Judges for me, and this is what I'm thinking about. We're going to Esther, a strong female there. But especially in Judges, we've got Deborah. And then one of my favorite characters, one of my favorite stories is J.L., Right, sticking the tent peg through Cicero's temple. I mean, just you know, fantastic. You get in the Song of Deborah is celebrating this you know military victory uh, that could not have happened basically without uh, Deborah and Jael. So strong female leads here. Uh, I've got to. I, I I just have to go with that. Judges five zero for me. Five zero. Wow, that's strong. I mean, um, she's. She hammers a tent stake through his temple. You, you, to, you totally took what I was going to say. I mean, that's when I was in college, that was one of those stories that made me want to be a religion major. Well, was, so one of the things that I did, and, and, and maybe maybe David Ray will remember this, because uh, way back in the day, um, I used to be a youth minister, and I was uh, David Ray was in my youth group. <clears throat> and we went through the Bible, right, book by book, and... I pulled out for each one, like, if you don't read anything else, you got to read this because it's interesting or it's important or whatever, and definitely pulled out the JL story because you're like, wait, what? Like, she's, she sticks a tent peg through his temple? Like, are you, that's in the Bible? Are you serious? Um, it's just a good, it's such a good story. I really like it. And, you know, Judges is kind of repetitive for, sh- for sure, um, but you've got, you've got that, which to me um, kind of takes it over the top. Yeah, I mean, plus, plus, you know, the the sexual innuendo of the whole thing with Jael and and right, uh, it's great. Yeah, I mean, you got Othniel and Ehud and Deborah, Gideon, uh, Abimelech, Jephthah, Samson, 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 Philistines, jawbone of an axe. Like, I like Second Peter. I like First Peter a lot better. I'm gonna go four one judges because you know the Old Testament is far superior to the new testament and also judges is a hell of a book and um yes there's some very very concerning stuff in there and I'm, I'm not discounting that but when you look at it in the scope of what's going on with the whole canon as we have it to quote for our childs um man judges plays a plays a big role in there not that second peter doesn't it's a good book but you know, this is like one of those 10, 11 point victories in the first round. And you're like, OK, well, that team should have won. So four one. So that's going to be uh, four plus five 13 is nine. Thirteen to two. Wow. That's the biggest uh, showing actually blowout. So judges, judges is our, our first three zero in terms of the, the judges. <laughs> um, 
All right, Thomas, you get to go first this time. And okay, next matchup here, we've got um, Lamentations versus First John. Um, so, I mean, Sam was kind of saying this earlier, right? I don't know if this, is, if this was in the pre-show or if it's uh, caught in the recording, but um, it, Lamentations is kind of a timely book right now. Right. Um, there is there's plenty about which people are lamenting um, and justifiably so. So I don't want to take that away, um, but I just I really like First John and I have part of First John tattooed on my body. So I kind of have to go with First John there. The <laughs> um, first John for you know, forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. So there's right. um, yeah. So it's when you walk up Mount Nebo, there's a, a, a big, I don't know, rock thing and carved into the side of it a big stone carved into the side of it in greek it says uh hotheos agape esten god is love um when i saw it i was like i like that i'm gonna get that tattoo one day and i did and um so yeah that speaks to kind of my um hermeneutic my kind of um lens through which i my method of interpretation uh a whole lot of things and it's there in first john so um I'm gonna have to go. Uh, I'm gonna have to go four one first, John. Damn, son. All right, four one first, John. Let's see, first, John four lamentations one. All right, David Ray, you get to go last this time. Um, I really like the story that Lamentations is a part of in the whole canon. Um, you know, it's, it's basically, it's attributed to Jeremiah. There's there's no connection to Jeremiah historically. It's got acrostics. It's five poems. Um, there, there's doubt. It's not just, you're not just lamenting. Like, there's this one part of, of Lamentations where the author really just kind of says like well maybe god has moved on you know maybe we're not the chosen people anymore because here we are and this is part of the the tenebrae services of course and holy week for us christians um you know when we talk about god abandoning jesus on the cross type thing there's there's you know some nice readings that come out of lamentations and it's the only time christians traditionally roll out lamentations you're not going to hear your your Presbyterian or Methodist preacher or Baptist preacher preach on, you know, limitations to you or anything. Yeah. But um, you know, I, I think it's I think it's a needed needed part of the the canon. Whereas John, First John, I, I it's a good book, like you said, it's a good read. Mm-hmm. It's got some highlights, but it's got some some real stretches, like like the comma. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's it uh, upholds the Trinity. Hold on, what, what is that? First John five seven through eight, where it says uh, for it's only in the King James. It's not in the NRSV or most scholarly modern translations. For there are three that bear record in heaven: the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And there and these three are one. And there are three that bear witnesses in earth: the Spirit, the Water, the Blood. And these agree in one. So that that Johannine comma, as as it's called. Um, that, that's that's frustrating. Plus, there's no opening or conclusion. Like you're just kind of thrust into the epistle. There's no you know classic kind of Pauline or, or Joanine opening. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say three two for limitations. Okay, three two limitations. <clears throat> All right, what you got, David? Oh. Ray? Well, I mean, if you guys saw my bracket, which you and I think I put talked about this on Twitter a little while, I had first John going to the final four, so you obviously know where I'm where I lie on the spectrum. Um, I'm going to spend my time talking about first John. <laughs> to me, to me, when when I read first John, it it kind of it kind of knocks me down every time. It puts it puts some things in perspective. It's it's not, it's one of my go to like, okay, this I'm going to sit down and read. First John three and four today, which is two two of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. It's a great stretch. Um, I did have the note about First John five seven through eight being controversial. I also had the note about how um, 
we get, I think, both Irenaeus and Polycarp talk about First John. I think they cite them both, and uh, I think yep. Irenaeus might do it in, um, against heresies. I could be wrong on that, but I think that's what it is off the top of my head. Yeah, I think you're um, right. And, yeah, you're, so it's funny because you, you mentioned about how there's no introduction or conclusion, and so I even had a note about, are, does that, are we sure that means it's even a letter? Right? I guess it is because it's the first epistle of John, but is, is it missing? Like You guys would know this more than I would. Is that something that we that they don't know? Hmm. I mean, it could have been. I mean, that's you know, it's, it, it certainly doesn't fit kind of that you know epistle model that we have. And it's interesting that Irenaeus does bring it up as I think does uh didn't Boltman Boltman said something about this with the letter stuff. Um. Yeah, some scholars, I just pulled up the Wikipedia, some scholars have proposed the idea that the epistle is really John's commentary on a selection of traditional parallel couplets. This theory was first uh, propounded by Ernst von Dupschutz, I'm saying that's wrong, I'm sorry, Travis, and Rudolf Boltmann is not universally accepted. Amos Walder writes that it is at least clear that there are considerable and sometimes continuous elements in the epistle whose style distinguishes them from that of the author, both with respect to poetic stru- uh, structure and syntactic usage. So, yeah, interesting. And and, yeah. and I'll finish by just saying that there are a lot of verses, including the one that Thomas has tattooed, uh, "God is Love," that I enjoy in this. First John three sixteen is great. One of the ones that I like that kind of fulfills my um, little bit of Gnosticism that I have within me, very much like "Be Passers By." is First uh, John 3.13, which is, Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. I've always thought that was kind of an, uh, an interesting one. Uh, kind of gives the same feeling <laughs> that uh, Legend 42 does. Um, for that reason, for, not for that reason, but for the First John, it's, just, it's one of my favorites. So I'm going 4-1 First John. Wow. Blowout. All right. So First John 4... Lamentations, poor Lamentations, is only going to get a 5. 1 John gets 10. So 10, 5. 1 John is going to go up against Psalm 151. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, one one little note, <clears throat> another <throat> note about 1 John. Maybe we, we can talk about this more in the second round since it's staying around. But some interesting stuff if you're looking at kind of the trajectory of the Johannine community. Like if you plot Gospel John plot the Johannine epistles, and then also plot um, some Gnostic texts as well. Some interesting stuff there, kind of seeing how you can track what's going on potentially in different factions of the Johannine community. Um, uh, Raymond Brown right, has a really good book on this called Community of the Beloved Disciples. So we'll talk about that more oh, yeah. um, right. with First John's next matchup, because that's, I think, some really interesting uh, stuff going on there. Okay, so... Um, then the next one is Revelation and Second Estrus. Um, right, who's, le- who's leading this one? Am I starting this one off? No, I started first John off. Go for it, Sam. Give us the word. This is one that I, I didn't want to talk about. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to say Revelation 5.0. <laughs> That's just, it. Nothing just, else. I mean, they're they're both... Like, I mean, Second Ezra doesn't make it into the canon as we know it. Um, just just because of the 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 Nicholas uh, Cage movie, the the Left Behind movie, wasn't he in Left Behind? Yes, yes, yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, so he gets <laughs> of course gets five, Nick Cage. Right. <laughs> just because of Nick Cage, yeah, he's That's worth a, five points. I, I don't I don't like either one of these books. I tried to go back and read Second Ezra's today and just kind of, you know, poke through some scholarship on it. And it, it's it's interesting, but it doesn't hold my attention. And uh, that's all I care about. <laughs> all right. So 5-0. All right, David Ray. All right. So I, I, have an, I have an alternate way that we should go about this matchup. I think that you should see if um, the triple-headed eagle that we see in Second Ezra against the Whore of Babylon, or you know, pick your, you know, pick who you pick who you want from Revelation. They should just duel it out for. for oh, that's who good. You want to win. Like, like Pokemon. Just like yeah, Pokemon. Yeah. 
I'm not very familiar with Second Ezra, so I went back and looked at today and and did some homework on it. But the first, the one thing that I remember when I saw this when I was doing when I was filling out the bracket was like, oh, Second Ezra is the one that has the triple headed eagle. That's kind of badass. Um, I, I'm going Revelation four to one was my pick, and I and one point was a mercy point because they have a triple headed eagle. I mean, like I don't know how much more I need to emphasize that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's you know, like if you have one bald eagle and the bald eagle had three heads. Like that would be pretty awesome. That so would I, be I, pretty I can, awesome. I can, I can see yeah. that. Yeah, I can, I can see that point. So okay, so so here's my thing with Second Estrus, right? They're a team that they they don't know who they are. They don't have a clear identity, right? Sometimes they're Second <laughs> Estrus, sometimes they're Fourth Estrus, sometimes they're Fourth Ezra, sometimes it's like part of it is Fifth Ezra. They don't know who they are, and that's a problem. And you're not going to go very far in this tournament like that. I'm completely with you, um, David Ray on. Uh, a pretty awesome um, eagle there. So, but you know, there's, I don't know. It's just kind of an obvious. I mean, this is, I, I don't know. This is, um, I can't even think of a good matchup here. That kind of um, revelation is just. I mean, you're going up against the big dogs, right? You best not miss, and Estrus misses. <laughs> um, there's so much. You know, there's something to be said about. Uh, everybody knows something about Revelation, uh, even if they don't know that there's only one. They call it Revelations, which, by the way, you should not do ever. John has one Revelation. It's actually easier if you just call it the Apocalypse of John because then you don't make that mistake. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you've got so many good characters. And I mean, you cannot beat the Brick Testament Lego Bible version of Revelation. That's when it. I was teaching New Testament, um, I use this consistently on my revelation lectures the other thing that that you've got where you pull revelation in in a wonderful kind of cultural way is this music video that i used to always show in one of my classes too where there's a guy talking about numerology that he says he's obviously getting from revelation right 666 and things like that and two popular music videos call me maybe by uh what's her name carly ray jebson and gangnam style by psy it's an absolutely fantastic uh, video that you can find on YouTube. Second Estrus has nothing like that, right? There, there's nobody making videos about music videos based on the reading of Second Estrus. Um, so I'm I'm actually going to go the same as David Ray did for one uh, Revelation. So that brings the total there. Another blowout, the second blowout of the night here with Revelation over Second Estrus, thirteen to two. Wow! So it's going to be First Peter versus Revelation. That's going to be an inter- that's going to be an interesting matchup. Yeah. All right. Next we have First Corinthians versus First Timothy. Throwing some Paul down. <laughs> what were you um, saying, David Ray? No, I was just going to say when we we're talking about Revelation, I was going to say, do you guys think that uh, the majority of Christians are going to be pretty disappointed when we don't have seven seals and uh, all kinds of stuff when the world ends? Well, what's the best way to answer this? <laughs> So my gut reaction is we're not going to know, right? Um, the second thing is uh, Revelation only ends up getting into the canon once people begin to read it how it was intended as symbolic and not as uh, a literal depiction of how the world is going to end. Um, the other thing, I mean, we'll talk, we've got a lot of time left to talk about Revelation in, in the next round and potentially the round after that. Um, that I like about Revelation is... Right, the the new city, the new heaven and the earth, new earth, the new Jerusalem. That's not some faraway place. That comes down right. to this earth, uh, which which I think you know for a whole bunch of reasons, and you know how I understand myself uh, is a really important aspect too. But you know, got to save some material for for the next round. But no, I think you're absolutely right. Um, now, now, we'll, okay, and this may be a knock on Revelation for round two is that a lot of people know bits about it. A lot of people don't actually know Revelation. Right, they don't understand it. They're afraid of it. Um, maybe we can help dispel that a little bit next time. Yeah, I think once we once we have some time to really go into it, we can we can knock those out because it, it's the most misunderstood book by far in the entire canon as we have it. Should Revelation have made it in? Uh, it would be much easier if it didn't. <laughs> but, That's true. Um, it, it's a fascinating book. I I, I um. My favorite class in seminary was with uh, Adele Adele Yarbrough Collins, um, and she 
is a masterful scholar on, on Revelation, and she just dissected it in such a incredible way um, that, that I do have a lot of affinity for it. But I, I think, yeah, like you said, it, it between the Left Behind stuff and just kind of the, the white throne evangelicals slash whatever, like we're going to be raptured up into the sky uh, worldview that, that it, it gets a, it gets a, a bad rap that it doesn't necessarily deserve if you read it for what it is and in its proper context, like all apocryphal or uh, I'm sorry, not apocryphal, like all uh, apocalypse literature. Um, you know, you, you can't read second Enoch and, and expect to uh, come out of that with, with some takeaways for how you should run your business. <laughs> you know, like there's, there's, it's it's going to be like someone 2,000 years from now picking up um, a piece of science fiction from Isaac Asimov and, and trying to, you know, pull life stories out of it. Like, it's science fiction for a different generation. That's not us, I think. Anyway, all right. Revelation against First Peter in the next round. You guys want to do a few more? Yeah, I think we're going to do... Um, what are we going to do? We're going to do three more, I think. Um. Well, that let's see one. I think. We, we, oh, maybe we we're got, just going to do two more. Have we done four matchups? We started Esther versus Luke, Judges versus Second Peter, Lamentations versus First John, Revelation versus Second Esdras. So we can do two more matchups: First Corinthians versus First Timothy, and Obadiah versus Job. All right. All right. We did six matchups last time. We'll do six again tonight. Um. All right, All right, First Corinthians, First Timothy. Whew. Strong feelings here. Depending on on your your view of of uh, yeah, right physiology. Exactly. This can kind of go either way. So for me, um, okay. So the first thing right out the gate with First Timothy is the authorship question. Right. I mean, that's that's the elephant in the room. Um, it claims to be somebody that it's not. We've seen a lot of teams like this before. Um, you know, they claim that they can that they can run with the big dogs, that they're part of the big dogs pack. Um, this is first Timothy. Um, they're you know, like, hey, look at us. Yeah. You know, Paul wrote us, except Paul didn't write first Timothy. Uh, this is very clear. Um, that's a big strike against it. Uh, for me, there's also the whole bit about, oh, yeah, women should learn in silence. And, um, yeah, you know, if we're kind of going in the strong female leads, uh, we obviously don't want something like that. I don't want anything like that. Um, now, as uh, David Ray and I were talking about earlier in the week, you got this bit in First Corinthians. It kind of sounds a lot like it. Um I, I think most scholars today now are convinced that that bit in 1 Corinthians uh, was a later edition. Uh, largely, it looks like you know, um, someone who knew 1 Timothy puts it in there. Uh, potentially, you know, one theory would be that a scribe is reading that section and writes this out in the margins, and then the next time it gets copied, it gets copied into uh, the text. That's one theory. But as you read the text, I mean, it breaks up the flow. Um, and, and so it just seems it's kind of obvious to me that it's a later edition. So, so yeah, I mean, I think you've also got the love chapter. Again, uh, another uh, really misunderstood passage, but a passage that um, has gone a long way um, and and has really kind of infiltrated broader culture, right? You've got to have most weddings have uh, a reading from First Corinthians thirteen, of course, right? It's not about marital love at all. Um, instead, it's basically um, you know knocking on people with uh, different gifts and saying your gifts aren't really uh, that good. Uh, my gift is better. Um, and and but I mean the other thing that you get with the love chapter there is you get this kind of call for unity, which is nice. Um, that to me kind of as you're looking at like chapter 12 and chapter 13 together in first Corinthians, the culmination is, is the love chapter there. Um, and, and the point is unity, right? Which, which I think is, I think is important. So for me, um, all those things come together. Um, I got to give first Timothy a little bit because it's been influential. It's been really influential. Obviously the church and that I grew up in the traditions that all of us are familiar with. And actually all of us pretty much grew up in uh, first, uh, first Timothy holds a lot of sway and understandings of the role of women uh, in the church. 
and um, that that can't be overlooked. But for me, it's four one First Corinthians. Four one. All right, David Ray. Yeah, so I would I would full discretion here. I did text Thomas Rode in the weekend say I would like to abstain from this vote, but I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to because. Uh oh. David Ray. Oh, did we lose him? I think we lost him. Maybe. Maybe he actually is abstaining from the vote. <laughs> Maybe that's part of the joke. It shows he's still on. Uh oh. Oh, this is what happens on live radio, Four. kids. Yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to get him back. Um, oh, okay. Let's see. Add people. Bam. Bam. Nope. It's funny. It's always like right at an hour with him. That's what he said. One hour mark cuts off right at one hour. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. We found out. Found a bug in the system. What is it's the Cyloning thing? Remember that? Yeah. So we uh, we lost David Ray again. <laughs> um, it's part of the show. So it's just part of the show now. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna look into that. See how we can figure that one out. Uh, but we we did get his uh, his picks. Um, we were doing First Corinthians versus First Timothy. Um, he had started talking about it a little bit, but. The biggest thing for him, First Corinthians has a first count of the resurrection, uh, which I think is a really good point. Um, yes. And and the resurrection account there is not the resurrection account that people tend to think about, right? So there's this question about is it bodily, is it physical, is it spiritual? Um, and it seems clear that it is clearly bodily, but it's not physical. It's not a physical body that's resurrected. Um, so the resurrection account you get in First Corinthians 15 is really, really interesting um, and it's the earliest account. It's much earlier than what we get in the Gospels, even though those come first in the kind of canonical order. Um, I think that's strong. That's a really good point there. So he goes First Corinthians over First Timothy four one. All right, four one. I'm gonna do the exact same four one. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna say five zero. Just I really I struggle with First <laughs> Timothy for a number of reasons. Yeah, and Corinthians is you know it's it's such a a, a beautiful you know well well done book and i think paul and barnabas really put their heart into it and um it it comes from a place of love whereas timothy you know from my low church baptist point of view you know timothy is is one of those books that's um it's like the 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 dedicate you know like it's trying to set up some ecclesiology that that i'm not always a big fan of and um I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I would take the Didache over First Timothy. Like, oh yeah, I, I, totally. The totally. Didache like kind of ranks pretty high for me, actually. Yeah. The the baptismal instructions that you get in the Didache, right? Preferably cold running water, right? Yeah. It's really really good stuff in in the Didache. Uh, but I get what you're saying. The other interesting thing, though, I mean, you do have to kind of give, maybe you don't have to, but one interesting about First Timothy is what you see in First Timothy largely is a group of people figuring out how do we keep this thing going now that Jesus hasn't come back. Right. And Paul was wrong right. about that. And like now we have to, for lack of a better term, institutionalize this thing. Not in a bad way, but you got to set up you know, structures to make sure this continues on. Because Jesus didn't come back next Thursday like we thought he was going to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you have a lot so, of that going on in First Timothy. Right. So for people who don't know, in the New Testament, I mean, Jesus says he's the Son of Man is going to come uh, next week. And then Paul says Jesus is going to come back sometime in the next month and by the time we get to first second timothy he might come back but in the meantime here's what we need to do and and that's fair um you know but i, I don't know we, you, you get things in corinthians like when i was a child i spoke as a child i understood as a child i thought as a child and then i became an adult and i stopped drinking you know kids milk and those types of wonderful things and the love passage and all the all the the the, the I don't know the highlights of of what we consider Paul and and I don't know I think asking uh, females to wear the the hijab in in First Timothy just throws it out for me. So we have a head covering, you know, kind of head covering issue in in First Corinthians. Um, <laughs> I I'm still dubious about the authorship there about yeah that passage. Not yeah. not to put the 
you know historical critical hat on, but I think I think there's some um, there's some work that needs to be done on the textual transmission of that manuscript, and I'm not completely sure that that's where it is. Oh, oh, oh and and my uh, my fam- my favorite favorite thing uh, I was just googling around in First Corinthians, First Corinthians thirteen twelve, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, Old Testament or New Testament, believe it or not. We see now through a glass in a dark manner or through a mirror darkly, which is, a you know, through a scanner darkly with a great book by um, Philip K. Dick. But then face to face. Now I want in part, but then I, I shall know even as I am known. Like what a, what a great, what a great verse, yeah. especially, you know, when you're dealing, when you, when you think about first century uh, context and, these people didn't have mirrors like we have, you know, or glass like we have even. I mean, Roman glass was really high quality and it's beautiful. And I have a friend who wrote a book about Roman glass of all things, but you really do see through it darkly or dimly, if you will. So I don't know. I, I, I've, I've got to go five Oh with uh, first Corinthians between that alone. Oh, so, so another, another blowout there, another 13, two. So 13 we had had yeah, three 13, two, um, matchups this evening. Okay. That's uh that's big. All right. So since we lost David Ray, we're going to work on this for next time. Hopefully we're going to save Obadiah versus Job, uh, Oof. save that matchup for, for next week. That is a, that is a tough one. Obadiah is underrated. Uh, and, and the winner of that takes on first Thessalonians, which is, Bless you. That's that's a hard matchup, I think. Yeah. Um, taking on the five seed there in First Thessalonians. Um, so that's, so that's where we're gonna that's where we're gonna end the um, the round the matchups for tonight. Yeah. Anything else you got? No, we're gonna make it through a whole show without talking about Donald Trump or Donald Trump Jr. So what about, what about Gorka? Just... We should have Gorka on the show. <laughs> yeah, we should definitely have Sebastian Gorka on the show. I'm sure he would come on. We'll we'll just uh, reach out to him. Thomas, him I think you need to DMs. come on. I think you need to come on about about the great work that we're doing in Syria. I mean, we, we've created—I should say this in a, a faux British accent—we've created a ceasefire, and you're not talking about that. You're not talking about how we're, we're pushing back ISIS. You, all you're talking about here is lamentations. And and uh, and and I I mean, do you want to go that route, Thomas? And what's really frustrating is that like Jake Tapper, I was watching Jake Tapper today, and, and he played right into it, and he's answering him back like, "Well, that's not really my call to make, but here's what I I know you want to talk about the ceasefire." And it's like, no, don't 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 recognize his questions. Like, do you understand what he's doing? It's, it's brilliant. I mean, it's brilliant, but it's it's mortifying and terrible. Lamentations. <sighs> all right we got um we got a ways to go but we're making good progress in this and um hopefully you're enjoying it too give us your feedback um really sorry again about luke that was not planned <laughs> i expected luke to go through and not get knocked out in the first round so uh, we're definitely going to hear from luke twitter again you want to follow uh d-ray and in his trip um, around the country right now. He's on Twitter at David R. Allen Jr. Jr. Um, Sam is at Sam Harrelson. I am at Thomas Whitley. And you can always find this great podcast at thinking.fm.